your hosts have earned a reputation as fierce and effective advocates inside and outside of the courtroom. Both partners are experienced trial attorneys who have been board certified in family law by the Texas Board of Legal Specialization. This is Brian Walters. I get the fun job today of interviewing Jake about himself. And the joke is that nothing lawyers like to do is more is talk about themselves, but actually neither one of us particularly do. Right. We keep getting asked questions about it. And, you know, I think it's kind of silly. A lot of times you read lawyer bios and it's, you know, I went to such and such law school and I was on this law review and I got this award nobody's ever heard of or that they paid for. And yeah, there's very little personal information, but we're all people, right? And so let's learn a little bit about Jake. I'm going to, I'll start by saying, uh, tell us about your childhood. Like you're through about 10 years old. Yeah. How, how did you, tell me about that. Well, I'm one of seven kids. We'll go through that in a bit, but that's something I tell people right off the bat. So both my parents went to Texas A&M. My dad was a, was a veterinarian, so he went to Texas A&M vet school. A little secret about me that I don't tell everybody, but I'll tell our podcast listeners. I was born in Wisconsin. I was not born in Texas. So let's all keep that to ourselves. But I was... Uh, hey, I was born in Florida, yeah. so we're both transplants. Right, but both so. my parents are Aggies, right? So you can't get much more Texan than that. But yeah, my parents met at A&M. So I'm the third child out of seven, right? So my mom, I think my sister Amy was born. I may be getting this wrong. My mom was you know, 20, 21 years old, whenever Amy was born. And then the first five of us were all born, you know, basically a year and a half apart. So Amy was born, you know, in Texas. Then my dad graduated vet school. And my understanding is the the job that he got was pulling calves in Wisconsin. So he moved up to Wisconsin, you know, Texas, born and raised. My mom was Texas, born and raised. And then they go to Wisconsin. So when I was kids, I remember hearing stories, him telling stories about how cold it was all the time. I was actually telling those stories to my kids the other day. They like to hear stories about granddaddy. So he always tells a story about driving out to the ranches or the farms to pull a calf and it being zero degrees outside. And, you know, this boy from Texas that just graduated vet school having to drive out there to pull a calf. But I was born in Wisconsin. My sister Sarah was born in Wisconsin. And then they moved back to Texas. Originally Longview, Texas, where my brother Joey was born. Then the way I understand it is my parents wanted to find a place to locate that in their minds had two criteria. One, was there a veterinarian clinic there? If there wasn't, then they were going to go start one. And then whether or not the, the town had a Bible church, because they went to the Bible church. So they found Waxahachie, Texas, which did not have a prominent veterinarian clinic at the time. And it had Waxahachie Bible Church, and uh, which was probably about 60 people at the time, probably today around 3,000, 4,000 people. But so they move over to to Waxahachie, Texas, and that's where Caleb was born. Joey was born longer than Caleb. So grew up there for my whole childhood in Waxahachie, Texas. Went to Waxahachie High School and then graduated there. The last two and the family, so the first five of us were all born a year and a half. And then when I was in seventh grade, I remember my dad coming in Sitting me down, say, you know, me and your mom, after Caleb was born, it wasn't looking where it would work out where my mom could have any more children herself. And they, he said, well, we don't want to just have five. Let's, we're thinking about adopting. And, you know, what do you think about that? 
that sounds great, right? It's like more kids, right? We lived out in the country, you know, there's not a whole lot to do. The more the merrier. So, so I remember that conversation that I remember my dad saying, you know, I want you to understand something. You know, we're going to adopt and we're going to adopt somebody that looks different than our family. And we're thinking about, you know, adopting an African-American child. And what do you think about that? Why would I care? Right. And it's like, I just remember that distinct conversation like that sounds amazing. So Alex, my brother, Alex was adopted. He was born, adopted at birth. So, and then Corey was adopted 10 months later. He was also adopted at birth. So that's the seven. My dad used to always say he thought that they were going to get enough for a softball team, but ended at seven. So that's how I grew up. You know, my mom was a stay-at-home mom, took course, seven kids, right? That, that took up most of her time. And then my dad owned Waxahachie Veterinary Clinic, which is still there in Waxahachie, Texas, and, you know, owned his own business. And as a kid, I watched that growing up, watching him do what he did. I could tell stories and tell, I, my kids are probably sick of him now, but I get to tell stories about driving out to the ranch with my dad, the far as my dad watching him treat cows and horses and goats and everything. And then, you know, as he developed the practice, became more and more of a small animal vet. And by the time I was in high school, probably mostly small animals, but still every once in a while, a horse would show up at the vet clinic or something like that. But, and then graduated Waxahachie High School. Well, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but while we're on the topic, I know that running a veterinary clinic and running a a law firm are probably sound to people like very different things, but they both involve clients. Yeah. Very very important things to the clients. So did you learn anything from your dad and watching him at work? Yeah. I mean, you know, growing up watching kind of how he interacted with clients and, you know, them coming in and I think really just sort of how much emphasis he gave. I mean, it's not like we think he talked about. I just saw it, right? You know, how much he cared, how people were doing, you know, not just about obviously how your dog's doing, your cat's doing, but about the family and stuff like that. And I just remember growing up and just remember how much people really liked Dr. Gilbreth, right? And, you know, Waxhat to the time was probably around 15,000 people, 10 to 15,000 people. And, you know, for those who knew my dad, he and I look exactly alike. If you look at pictures of him at my age, we looked exactly the same, which is funny because if you see my kids, they look exactly like me. So Gilbert jeans are very strong, apparently. <laughs> but, you know, I'd be in Waxahachie. You know, I remember at the time, I thought it was awful, right? I was, you know, 10 years old, walking Waxahachie, like, oh, you're Dr. Gilbert's son. Like, yeah, Dr. Gilbert's son. He takes care of my cat. Or, you know, so just how much, and, and you know, that and how hard he worked. He was really committed to the practice. And he worked hard. But then he spent a lot of time with his family. And there was a really clear line for him of this is when I'm working at the clinic and this is when I'm with my family. I mean, I tell people, and I think it's right, and I mean, it's a compliment, but I think the way my dad viewed life is, you know, you go to work, you spend time with your family, and you go to church. And that's what you do. And that's what he did. And he was as happy as could be doing that. So really hard worker, really worked hard on building the practice. But then when it was time you know, for dad to come home for dinner and to shut the practice down, he was home with the kids, you know, helping my mom out. So kind of seeing that commitment to both business and family really taught me a lot. I think you know, sort of, I like to approach, approach my life and approach my business. Okay. Well, so graduating from high school in a small town and getting ready to decide where to, what to do next is a real big decision. What was going through your mind, and what did you end up deciding to do after high school? So at the time, no offense to our Aggie listeners like you, Brian, but at the time what was going through my mind is I am not going to Texas A&M. 
And what I advise all my Aggie friends is we got Aggied out as kids. I mean, when we were kids, we had the maroon Suburban, the maroon Bing Bang chairs, the maroon T-shirts. I mean, if my dad could have painted the house maroon, we would have done that, right? So out of the seven of us, only one of us went to A&M. And I think I told my dad the reason why I didn't go to A&M is I remember, I think I was 10 years old, and he drove us out to an A&M football game, one of the early seasons. So it's, you know, it's Texas. It's 120 degrees outside. We're in the metal stands. You know, we're pouring sweat, and we're standing up watching the game. <laughs> and I, I remember sitting down, my dad's like, you don't sit out at A&M football games. You stand up. I was like, well, I'm not going to this school. This is awful. So I uh, decided I didn't want to go to A&M, which, you know, in retrospect, I would have probably really enjoyed it. Couldn't go to UT, though, right? That would have been sacrosanct. At the time, I wanted to do international relations, actually. I thought I was going to go work for the State Department or something. So I went to George Washington University in Washington, D.C., as some folks in Waxahachie call it, that Yankee school, which, you know, tried to explain to them until I was blue in the face that it's actually in the South. But no, that Yankee school, right? It's north of Oklahoma. But I went to that Yankee school for, well, I think I actually graduated in three years, not four, but started out majoring in international relations. And after about a year, I was like, I have no thanks. And they actually did political science with a minor in history, I think. So Two major and a minor that kind of pushes you to law school. But yeah, I spent three years in Washington, D.C. for my undergrad. Right. And then uh, did you go straight to law school or did you do something in between? Straight to law school, right? You're walking out with a poli-sci major and a history minor. What are my options? (laughs) What else are you going to do? Yeah, I can go work on a political (laughs) campaign or I can go to law school. So, you know, I applied all over the nation and I got into UT Law. I remember being really excited opening that letter. Because I knew I wanted to come back to Texas. You know, I applied to Georgetown and Harvard and those schools, but I really did want to come back to Austin. Harvard waitlisted me anyways, let's be clear, But uh, <laughs> which I was really offended by, that I got waitlisted by Harvard. When at, at least it wasn't an outright rejection. We'll let you know. So with the University of Texas, let's see, started that in 2006, I guess, is when I started UT. And we talked about this some in your episode, Brian, but I did not think I was going to go to law school to be a family lawyer. I thought I was going to be a plaintiff's lawyer, right? I was going to sue evil corporations and represent the good guys. And, oh, what's that movie? The Matt Damon movie, The Rainmaker. Yeah, it's going to be me, right? Right. Uh, so that was the plan, which, you know, was a little different than UT. It was, even when I went there, it was the same as when you went there. It was, you know, really pushing the big firm corporate lawyers, right? You know, as soon as you get there, they might as well put a big banner Inside so the law school, it says this law school, you know, sponsored by, you know, insert whatever law firm name. Yeah, I remember even though the trash cans in UT Law are sponsored by law firms. So that never appealed to me. But the idea was that I was going to be a plaintiff's lawyer when I was in law school. And you didn't end up there. Did you do anything? You mentioned political campaigns or that a little bit early. Did you have a, a little side gig as a political candidate at one point? So I did. You have to do sort of a, go- a deep Google dive on me to find it. But when I was a sophomore junior at George Washington University, Ellis County, so Waxahachie's Ellis County, Texas, and District 10 at the time for state representative was represented by a guy named Jim Pitts. Jim's a phenomenal guy, and he and I became friends. But, but Jim had never had an opponent. Jim was the Republican. He'd shock, right? Republican out of Ellis County, Texas. Jim was the Republican, and he had never had a challenger. The Democrats had never put up a challenger in 10 to 15 years. And, you know, little college jakes, like, ah, this, that's not right, right? It's like, and I had done Democratic politics. I clerked for the DNC, worked for Congressman Frost at the time, 
oh, this would have been, I guess, during, you know, the first Bush administration. And so I figured the Democrats need to at least have a candidate. So I looked it up and you had to be 21 to run. But and I was 20, but you could turn 21 during the election season, as long as you were 21 by the time Election Day rolls around, which I was going to be. So I filed to run for state rep. I took a semester off from law school. I'm sorry, from undergrad. And then ran as a Democrat in Ellis County and Hill County, Texas, District 10, which I think the DPI, the Democrat Performance Index in that district, I think was 27% at the time. It's trending different these days. But what I like to say, though, is that, you know, I think we spent maybe $500 on the campaign. And I got Ellis County, Texas, if you look it up, I got 600 more votes, around 600 more votes than John Kerry did in the presidential which means out there that there are 600 people in Ellis County, Texas, that pushed the button for George W. Bush and then pushed the button for Jake Gilbert as a Democrat. So I was really proud of that. We lost. But I think as my therapist said, you didn't fail. You just lost, right? <laughs> it's like you could accomplish what you're supposed to. But that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I will say people were so nice. It's actually nice being involved in a political campaign when everybody knows you're going to lose. And people are a lot nicer to you when things were like that. And my family was supportive. I mean, my dad is big Republican and, you know, Republican family. I think I was probably the only Democrat in the family at the time. I think my grandfather, maternal grandfather was a Democrat, a big JFK supporter, but that was out of the norm for my family. And, and I know for my dad to have his, his son run as a Democrat and everybody was so supportive and nice. I loved that time. Hopefully you got your, uh, your family was part of those 600 I votes, think it was. I think it was. <laughs> we may never know. I never asked. <laughs> Actually, maybe I should ask. <laughs> you might not want to know the answer. Yeah. So. Okay. So you went through UT and you thought you were going to be a plaintiff's in injury lawyer. Yeah. So I guess we kind of are now. We do a little bit of that. But what happened directly after law school? Yeah. Where so did you go to work? So between my first and second year, I clerked for legal aid uh, doing family law, which I thought was just kind of a way to make money, you know, pay my bills and everything. It was good experience, but I still wanted to be a plaintiff's lawyer. And then between my second and third year, I had two summer clerkships. One was with a law firm, Gardier Wynn Sewell, which is a big defense bar firm, you know, corporate law firm. Clerked there, and then I clerked for a law firm called Barron and Bud, which did asbestos litigation kind of statewide, still around, phenomenal law firm. And, you know, I did the clerkship at Gardier, and like, I don't want to work here. I, you know, kind of messed around and didn't pay that much attention to it. Why would I, you know, pay any time? I'm not going to work for Gardier. I'm going to work for Baron and Bud. So did the Gardier clerkship, got paid for that, and then did the Baron and Bud clerkship. There was three clerks, and so that was going to be the deal. I'll work for Baron and Bud when this is all over. And then my about three weeks into my third semester, I got the call from Gardier, and they're like, "Yeah, you're not going to work here." I was like, "Yeah, I know. Thank you." And so no offer from Gardier, and then just waiting for my Baron and Bud offer, and. About four weeks into my third year, they call and say, God, this is no offer for you either for this law firm. Ah, well, that's interesting. That was the whole plan was to go do that. That was hard. In all seriousness, that was, you know, I still kind of remember that feeling of kind of like, what on earth am I going to do? So at the time, there was UT had a UT domestic violence clinic that I was clerking at. Not clerking. You could be a student attorney where you take cases. And so I was doing that, and a few months after getting that phone call, still kind of thinking, what on earth am I going to do? I got to try my first custody case as a student lawyer in one. We had a dad come in and get custody of his two girls on a modification in front of Leonard Signs, and I loved that experience. And then so I started thinking, well, I'm going to go do family law. And then I did the advanced clinic at UT, 
the next semester and I was up there for a case and I ran into a gentleman named Jim Piper, who is now the up counsel of our law firm. But at the time I was thinking I was just going to hang a shingle and Jim offered me a job. Jim at the time was the Piper of Piper Turner, which is one of the best law firms in Central Texas for family law. And so I did that. I didn't think I was going to be doing family law, but I ended up doing nothing but family law right out of law school. Worked for Piper Turner for the first five years of my career. And then, as we covered in mine, uh, but you might want to summarize it from your perspective, I think you and I ended up sharing an office. We were with uh, Piper Turner, like you said, and I had come back into practice in Austin and hung out my shingle. And I think that brings us up to about 2013 when we met. So take us kind of from there to to where we are now. Yeah. So, I mean, 14 and 15 were, I think, big years in my life. So, I mean, you and I met kind of towards the end of 2013. You and I, I I kind of had in my mind that I wanted to do something different. I mean, I love, and to this day, still love Jim. I mean, he's like a father to me. But, you know, Jim's firm was probably a little more traditional at the time and not quite what I wanted to do. And, you know, Brian, you and I had met, and I remember you sending me down and before we even thought about being partners, you know, talking about ways I could develop my practice. And then you came to me and said, you know, that you were going to move to Houston. And so let's have somebody run an Austin office. And that never really occurred to me. And so that's what we decided to do. So that was, you know, 2014, that partnership, we started in April. So backing up a little bit in January, 2014, I had my first child, Parker. And, you know, that's, I was married at the time uh, to my my now ex-wife and we had Parker. And so Parker was, you know, three months old when I decided to leave my W-2 stable job for one of the top associates in the Austin area to go work for this guy that I just met who was crazy enough to be moving to Houston and just talked it over with my wife at the time and decided that's what I wanted to do. So that's what we did. So that was the first big change. Well, that's the second big change in 2014. Parker born in January. And then, you know, you and I partnered up in around April, I think it was. And then you're off to Houston. I'm buying my lonesome in Austin, you know, figuring this out. And you and I are trying to figure it out. Because if that wasn't enough, then let's see, late 2014, I went through a divorce. And, you know, I've been a divorce lawyer for five years at the time. And I was going to be going through a divorce. And Certainly didn't think I was going to be going through a divorce with a 10 or 11 month year old child. So that was 2014. That was, you know, talk about that with my clients. That was a hard time, right? And you were there for me. I remember that. And, you know, business was the business and continued to grow while I was going through that. But then got divorced. You know, we worked it out, got divorced in early 2015. And then that brings us to 15, which is another, I guess, busy year for me. So we're still working together, Brian, you and I. And then, so got through divorce, started trying to, I was going to say trying to at first, started trying to date a woman named Sarah, who was a paralegal for a lawyer named Janet McCuller at the time. Sarah and Janet had worked together for years. And when I say try, I mean unsuccessful at first, but really talking to this uh, uh, woman in town named Sarah. And then she and I finally accomplished my goal. She and I started dating, but kind of, you know, on the down low, not a lot of people knew about it around probably July 15, August of 15. And then in October 2015, my dad died. I'll say unexpectedly, I mean, he was 60 and he had had heart problems, but nobody was expecting him to pass. And he passed away in October 2015. And, you know, I got that call. I remember I was in mediation and my mom called and said that your dad's in the hospital. I messaged you, Brian. I told the staff, like, I'm leaving, I got to go. And, you know, y'all just took care of everything from there. 
And then Sarah, I called Sarah and said, I think my dad's about to pass away. So I'm headed to Waxahachie. And I mean, she and I have only been dating for about a month. And she said, well, do you want me to come? You know, she's like, I'm coming. I was like, no, I, I should just be by myself. Said, you know, that's fine. But I'm going to fall. I'm going to get in my car. I'm going to drive behind you on I-35 just in case you need me. Got up to Waxahachie. My dad had passed by the time I got there. And, you know, Sarah and I ended up driving together. But that was, you know, as far as me and Sarah's relationship, we're married now. That's, you know, a big thing to go through one month into the relationship. And then the funeral and, you know, she ended up meeting Parker way sooner than we had thought because of the funeral and everything. But that was a huge change for 2015. And then 2016, busy year two, you and I actually had a short respite from being, being partners when we couldn't quite figure out how to get Houston and Austin aligned. You know, this was before we have all the technology we have now. So in 2016, you and I were referring to each other's business, good friends, but you know, didn't have the, the partnership. At the time, Sarah and I got married, and Sarah was pregnant with my second child at the time. And so that was 2016. And then 2017, let's see, that's when my middle child, Harper, was born. And 2017 is whenever you and I kind of compared notes and said, you know, we actually really can figure out how to make this work and be a statewide law firm. I remember you and I sitting down, I think it was May of 17. Harper was a couple months old, I guess, whenever we did it. So yeah, it'd been around May. And you told me, I don't know if you remember telling me this, but you told me, it's like, I really want to build a statewide firm. Because by that time, you were kind of Houston, Austin. And you're like, I really do want to build a statewide firm. I don't think we can do it with just myself. I need a partner doing it. So think about it, right? You and Sarah talk about it and see if this is what you want to do. Me and Sarah sat down and said, yeah, absolutely, this is what we want to do. And so it's been kind of exploding again <laughs> ever since then. So around June 2017 is when we really started growing. I mean, at that time, what were we, Brian? We had me in the Austin office, and I think it was you and a couple of lawyers in the Houston office. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, it seems like 10 years ago, but you're right. It's just a couple, it's just four years ago. <laughs> yeah, now I think our latest wow. attorney count was 27, something like that. I mean, the Austin office, just thinking about the Austin office, it was me by my lonesome, right, at first. And then Sarah came over and started working as a paralegal with us in 2017. You know, the Jim Piper that I worked for came over in 17 and became up counsel in the Austin office. And then Everything's exploded since then. The Dallas office has exploded. We have San Antonio. I mean, Sarah hasn't worked on a legal case last year and a half, right? We made her CEO. She runs the law firm. We have Ian, our COO, now. I mean, Ian started out as a little as the litigation assistant. Actually, I don't think Ian was even a litigation assistant. I think he was just kind of a receptionist in the Austin office at first. And now he runs the law firm with Sarah. That's a lot of growth. That's, that's a lot, lot that's happened in the last six, seven years. And that's where we, are, where we are right now. Right. Well, I'll ask you kind of wrapping up is same question you asked me at the end, which is where do we go from here? Or do we even know? Uh, I don't think we know. I mean, at the end of that, that story, I mean, now, you know, had third child. So Walker was born last year in the middle of COVID. I mean, COVID was a huge year of growth for us. I mean, that was, I don't know if that was related to the pandemic or just what the law firm was at. But I think you and I get asked that question all the time when people are interviewing with us to work for us or folks are asking us what the plan is. I don't know, right? I, what I've, I always tell people is what's not going to happen is Brian and Jake and Sarah and Ian are never going to sit down and go, this is great. Let's just coast and, and just sit back and relax. I, I don't know 
what's wrong with us that that doesn't work in any of our heads, but that doesn't work for any of us. We're going to continue to grow. We're going to continue to work on the product. I mean, I don't know if obsessive is the right word, but probably is. I mean, I know you and I, and I know Sarah and Ian are obsessive about the product that we do. And so we're going to continue to insist on the highest quality legal work coming out of our office as we grow. So that alone is a full-time job, but I mean, who knows where it's going to go? You know, two years ago, we didn't have a Dallas office. Now, I, I don't know how many lawyers we have in Dallas, 10 lawyers in Dallas. You know, we didn't have a San Antonio office six months ago. Now we have a San Antonio office. So I think it just goes back to that deal, Brian, from you back in 13, whenever you sat me down and said, you know, client reviews are important and having a good product is important in communication. I remember you emphasizing communication with clients to me. And that was when it was just you and an associate, I think, doing that. And so, you know, I think we just stay committed to our clients, stay committed to our work product, and we'll see where it takes us. Sounds good. Well, hopefully that's what people want to hear. I'm sure we'll get some feedback if they want to hear more or or, uh, anything else. So we'll wrap it up from here and uh, we'll see everybody back here soon. See y'all soon. For information about the topics covered in today's episode and more, you can visit our website at waltersgilbreth.com. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of For Better, Worse, or Divorce, where we post new episodes every first and third Wednesday. Do you have a topic you want discussed or a question for our hosts? Email us at podcast at waltersgilbreth.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time.